Thank you for listening to the Stories Behind the Stars podcast. In this podcast, we interview researchers and writers who are finding and telling the stories of World War II fallen soldiers. We are with Molly Brown. Molly, thank you for joining us today. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself and what brought you to doing this research? Oh uh, yeah, hello everybody. I started doing this research last summer. Um, I had gone through a divorce the year before and it kind of knocked me off my feet. And by the time I got myself together again, I knew I wanted to do something. And I thought I wanted to go to school and I looked into that and then COVID hit and I just kind of put everything on the back burner. So in, I believe it was June of last year, I was looking at KSL News and I saw the article by Don Milne and I thought, that's it. That's exactly what I want to do. And I signed up on that day. And it's been amazing. I love it. So did you like come with a background of family history or researching? None. I don't have any of that. I do like research stuff. My father was a 297 combat engineer in World War II. He was in the Battle of the Bulge. I have a, a picture of my uncle Vic standing on top of a Jeep guarding General MacArthur. And I don't know exactly what branch he was in, but it's an awesome picture. But um, I don't know what I just wanted to do. My father was one of the most patriotic people I've ever met. I'm from a little town in Arizona. And one Christmas, uh, he asked the town mayor, could he please have the old Christmas tree? And he made a flagpole out of it. And we kids, there was four of us, we would take turns putting the flag up and taking it down every day and folding it like it was supposed to be folded. But some, when I read that article, I just knew I wanted to do it. So I can't tell you why. So do you feel like there was a really sharp learning curve or do you think you were well prepared? I think because I like research and I like history and I love to read and documentaries. Some of the documentaries I watch, we just watched the Vietnam War the other day, but my son has watched the whole thing about World War II when I signed up, I was I was reading, um, oh, that Churchill, Winston Churchill book, The Evil and the, the Splendid and the Vile. So awesome. It's just funny how everything kind of comes together. But as soon as I researched my first person, uh, I just couldn't stop. It's like I'm addicted to it. <laughs> so do you have a story that you want a couple of stories you want to share with us? I'm doing the D-Day project now. I did a story a couple of weeks ago about a John Halk, and he um, was supposedly died on D-Day. When I research, I look at full three first, make sure there's no memorial, and then I look through everything, ancestry, everything. And then I always search the person's name. So when I searched his name, there was a little blurb on the screen from somebody that said, do you know anything else about John Howe? The book, Tonight We Die as Men, had a lot of stuff, but I want to know more. So I looked up the book, bought it, a Kindle version of it, and sure enough, I found out that he didn't die on D-Day. When he was with the 506 Parachute Infantry, he landed on a grocery store roof in a little town in France. He was up there for nine, day, nine hours, and the Germans were billeted in that town and Two of them were shooting at him all day long. They thought they killed him. And the mayor of the town and his brother-in-law got a ladder, got uh, him down, 
and uh, the Germans searched him, took his weapons. Uh, he was, his back was messed up because he was on his back all day. They took him to the aid station and left him there. And six days later, he shows back up. He was, I guess he got out of the aid station somehow and he's fighting with another paratrooper from company G. He's from company I. And uh, he died on the 12th. He got, uh, him and a other private were sent out to look for a rogue tank in the area. And on their way back, they saw the tank, the tank, did one whatever they do, bomb or whatever, and it uh, killed him. So he actually died on the 12th of June, not the, uh, you know, not the 6th of June, so. Do you know how the, the army got the records wrong or what happened there? I don't there? know, I don't know. I, um, Emily sends me the names, Emily Ritter does, and I told her what I found and I said, I don't know what to do. I included it in the story and I think she might've checked with Don and uh, she got back to me a couple of days later and she says, yeah, we're going to take them off the D-Day list. So the story's posted, but it's not on the D-Day list. Crazy, huh? Yeah, that is crazy. <laughs> I know. <laughs> so yeah. do you remember the first story you ever did or? Lawrence Olborn. He's from the Utah Pilot Project. Um, I had to send my first take back to dawn and he says you need to do this and this and this and then i did what he said and he says perfect here's some more names i have them all written down i've written down every name i'm on my 71st today wow yeah. wow do you have another story from d-day you'd like to share with us um i did a story about a leroy jacobson he's a lieutenant and he lived in seattle and i did all the research i could find on him and then i searched his name, come to find out a girl from a, Charles Wright Academy was the name of the school. I think it's a private school in Seattle. They had a history class where they were, she was a Normandy scholar with her high school. And that was the person that she was doing. And she actually talked to the son. His son was born three weeks after Lieutenant Jacobson died. And uh, she talked to his wife. She went to the Normandy Cemetery and did a eulogy on him. It was amazing. This girl knew everything. So it's like, I was really amazed because she is a high school student. You know, a lot of high school students, they go through history and they know what they're taught in school and that's it. That's all I knew too. And you get into some of this and you think, my gosh, how could they go? Did they know what they were getting into? You know, and I asked my own son, I said, what would you have done? He said, without even thinking oh i'd be there so i mean bravery you know bravery and you uh, i don't they couldn't have known what they were getting into but i think as soon as they got there they have to, i think they all probably thought they were going to come home else how could you go yeah yeah so you sent me a story of boyd eve writing oh, that's another one that, you know what, that one, well, he was the one that was uh, was the air transport group in India. And, you know, a lot of these, you think about the soldiers, but you have to think about their families too. They didn't have to fly over the hump. That was the Himalayas uh, because of where they were going. And I say in the story, they have a low chance of actually flying over the hump, but they took off and the plane disappeared. They all disappeared. Nobody, they never knew what happened to them. So um, that's crazy. 
So they still don't know they, what happened. As far as I know, they still don't know what happened to him. The plane, the crew, the people that were on it, Boyd Riding that was on it, he was from Panglitch, Utah. So I don't know. As far as I know, they have never found it. Do you feel like writing these stories has changed your perspective mm-hmm. on, on life in general? Mm-hmm. Yes, definitely. And what, yes. In, what, in what way do you think it's changed? Well, we live in a small little, your home is a small little area. You know, and these, these were kids that went to war. They're children, you know? And what they had to do, they had to go through all that training I mean, especially these paratroopers, my goodness, jumping out of a plane and landing on a grocery store roof or being shot at while you're jumping. You know, I could go on and on. It's just crazy that what they did for us, you know, it's just amazing. It is amazing. Yeah, it makes me feel like a lot of gratitude when I hear these stories. I'm Mm -hmm. like, that's not what I was doing at 19. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm -hmm. That's exactly right. And you just don't understand it until you actually research it. I mean, what they left and their families and uh, like Boyd writing, what his family still doesn't know what happened to him. So what would you tell to somebody who's thinking about volunteering? I would tell them to try it. If they're interested in uh, a little bit of research and finding stories out about uh, other people and what they did, uh, try it. I love it. I, my kid says I'm addicted to it, and I really, I think I am. It's just so, I'm so excited to start a new name and to see, you know, they all have some type of story, all of them. Uh, that Leroy uh, Jacobson, his wife tore up every picture of him. She was so devastated when he died. She tore up every picture that she had of him. That's crazy. How many times have I said that? That's crazy. <laughs> Wow. I, I mean, know. I think sometimes like the grief that happens when you mm-hmm. lose that you just can't really, I, I've talked to my grandma a couple of times cause she lived during world war two. And so mm-hmm. what was it like? And she's like, you know, as a little kid, you're walking down the street and you see a star in a window and you know what's yeah. happened yeah. to that family. Yeah. And then her brother was killed in world war two. So eventually her family had a star in a window. Wow. Right. And she's like, and all these stars in the window represented mm-hmm. my brother's my brother's mm-hmm. friends that were gone mm-hmm. and they weren't coming back and we didn't know how they died or what happened mm-hmm. to them and all these things like, you know, that grieving that happens that just never really get answers or healing, yeah. you know. Yeah, you learn how to live with it. You know, we used to ask my dad about the war and he wouldn't talk about it. Um, he had an army book with pictures of, you know, his whole battalion there. And him and a bunch of buddies used to get together every year and see each other that were in the same battalion, but um, he wouldn't talk about it at all. So I, I, I wonder, you know, I remember seeing Private, um, Private Ryan and the beginning of that, and I thought, oh my God, is that what they went through? You know, that was life, that was it. I just couldn't imagine doing that, you know? So he never told you any stories at Mm-mm. all. Mm-mm. Did you ever find any like a journal or anything or? No, nothing. You know, there's a, uh, a picture of him and some of the soldiers that were with him. They built bridges. Uh, that was what his job was. And there's a, a, and my sister 
has a picture of him, and I don't even know where she got it. But the caption is, the 297th are um, liberating uh, cases of cognac. So somewhere in France, there were cases of cognac, and they're all standing around this. And they're, and one of the guys is opening up one of the cases. So they're liberated, liberating cases of cognac. So, but no, I don't remember him talking about any of that. We just, I think after a while, we quit asking. Yeah. It's in the interviews that I've done with like uh, with veterans, it's it's really hard for them. I feel mm-hmm. like it's very hard. And mm-hmm. and I think the only reason why they would talk to me necessarily was because I was, you know, the younger generation and they were just like, hey, we really want to know. Right. Yeah. We really want to hear your story. Yeah. yeah. But it was, it's just always really hard to get them and to talk about it. I think it's also kind of interesting to think about like 75 people you never met in this mm-hmm. life mm-hmm. you remember their names and their mm-hmm. story and mm-hmm. i don't know i think that just adds so much more validity to what they gave yeah you know yeah, yeah. and i do i remember them all i've written them all down and uh i was looking on something last night and i came across the name of curtis feathers and i says hey i've done a story on him and my son said no you didn't i said oh yeah i did so i looked in my book there he is. So I remember him. Um, I was going to tell you, I just did a, a story on a Sam Di Paola. I had to write the Birmingham Library to get the actual obituary. And I'm glad I did because it had a lot of info. But he was with the 16th Infantry. And I found an article uh, that Ernest, Ernest Hemingway was a a uh, battle correspondent for Collier's Magazine, and he actually went on a landing craft with the 16th Infantry on D-Day, and they wouldn't let him off the boat, the landing craft, because of the Geneva Convention, but uh, I happen to be watching this documentary about Ernest Hemingway right now, and that same night, that part of the documentary came on about how he was on the landing craft, and they actually had a film of it. It was crazy. Yeah, you're very interesting. I'll tell you. Yeah, before we go, is there anything that you would want to say to like someone my age or someone younger learning about World War II? Like something you'd be like, this is what I learned from learning about these 75 young, young men. Uh, they did one of the most dangerous things that anybody could do. And I don't think they thought, thought twice about it. They just went, you know, and they were, they had to be patriotic. They knew, I bet they, they convinced themselves they were going to come home. You know, they were going to go win the war. So I think everybody should do one or two stories. It, it will curl their toes when they find out what these guys did. You know, it's amazing. Totally amazing. I think it's a really good use of time. Especially yes. when you're stuck yep. in lockdown or in pan- I the know. pandemic. I know. You know? That was I know. my lucky day when I saw that article. And it was like it hit me. Like somebody punched me. Oh, my gosh, that's it. That's what I want to do. <laughs> well, thank you so much for taking the time to write these stories and being part of this project. My dad and I are just so grateful for our volunteers. Like we just know we can't do any of this without all, all of you and just you know, everything you do. He wrote something uh, that said, you know, if you're on the D-Day project and you're tired of it when you're done, you can take a break. And I said out loud, I'm not taking a break. 
I can't wait. I mean, what is it? Arlington National Cemetery and Pearl Harbor next. Uh, yeah, I'm ready. Yeah, those names that are going to be mm-hmm. in Arlington are going to be really interesting I stories know. because I know. what did they do to get buried there? I know, exactly. So. Yep. Giving me goosebumps, young lady. My my dad has ambitious goals. He really wants to finish this project mm-hmm. in the time frame that they finished the war. <laughs> Just mm-hmm. like, 2025, okay. the whole thing, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Well, I'm behind you every every minute. I'll when he you. told me that, I was like, Dad, just do the math on that. Like, that's 400 <laughs> names a day, Dad. Like, it? it's some insane number. Like, it's really? it's really well because 400,000 people is half a million yeah. people almost, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah. And so, like, there's only 365 days a year. So like, yeah, you know, how many in five years does I give you? What, and, I, and I was doing the math. I was like, Dad, that's an insane number. He's like, well, it took him a long time to get the war started and getting mm-hmm. going. And the first mm-hmm. few years, we really didn't do much. Mm-hmm. And then we crushed it. And I was mm-hmm. like, OK, well, <laughs> right. that's a good way to put it. That's exactly right, too. Yeah, so he's like, we just got to keep building momentum and eventually we'll hit that point where he says we need like six or 4,000 really good dedicated researchers like you and we will knock this project out of the park. And I'm like, okay. Are there a thousand? I think we have 1,080 who have written at least one story. So we we have a varying degrees of which people have availability or, or desire to volunteer, right? But for the most part, I think we have about 300 consistent researchers who are writing at least a story a week. Um, and then like other researchers who are doing what they can when they can, you know? Yeah. So I don't know how people can stop writing. I just can't <laughs> wait to, to find out about the next one. This has been fun. Yeah, it's been awesome. So thank yeah. you so much for, for taking the time with me. And you're welcome. And keep plugging away on those, those names. Nice to meet you too. Thank you for listening to the Stories Behind the Stars podcast. We're so grateful you're here with us today. If you like this content, please consider subscribing. Please consider donating on storiesbehindthestars.org or even better yet, volunteering to help write these stories. We're so grateful for all of our many volunteers who are making this project happen. And if you have a story you think needs to be on this podcast, contact us at contactstoriesbehindthestars.org.